Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. Many years ago, I had the fortune of being involved in what was a once in a lifetime opportunity, building a brand new independent hospital from the ground up. The project started as an empty field and ended up as a 250 bed hospital with 21 operating rooms, two CT scanners, two MRI scanners, and included the capability to install an intraoperative MRI, something that was not even available at the time, but we were building to future-proof the facility. We even added a large hotel to the complex, something that was unheard of at the time, but represented an essential component of the full care facility designed to treat patients from around the world. The project was not without its challenges, the prime of which was the complete distrust and dislike by the local community of the concept and what the project stood for at the time. Despite all the challenges, we opened the facility three months ahead of schedule and under budget, something that was almost unheard of in healthcare, let alone in construction in general. To this day, the lessons learned from that experience continue to be applied to my work. Despite taking place several years ago, the insights continue to help shape my thinking and the way I approach healthcare delivery for the benefit of the ultimate customer, the patient. This may seem basic or perhaps obvious, but based on many experiences in healthcare, does not seem to be widely adopted or implemented. This may be the result of the move to larger healthcare systems and the challenge of keeping things personal as organizations grow in size. For some patients, these large facilities represent a good choice, but for many around the country, access can be challenging because of geography and distance as we've heard in previous episodes, the local hospital and healthcare facility remains a central and important part of every community. Because of the many challenges of rural health and the systems in place, keeping the doors open is an ongoing struggle, but one that is essential for those communities and offers some useful insights to everyone else in the business of healthcare. Join me on the Healthcare Upside Down show as I talk with Dr. David Klein, a general surgeon who's expanded his role to run a number of healthcare facilities and is currently the chief executive officer of Marin Health, a California independent hospital north of San Francisco. Hi, David. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. So you're running a, an independent healthcare system, uh, but as we look around, certainly the United States, and perhaps it goes broader than that, Independent healthcare seems to be a dying breed. We're losing those systems. Should we be worried or should we be celebrating it and looking to these large consolidated systems as the future of healthcare? Yeah, I, I would not be worried. I think that there still is a role 
uh, for independent uh, market-based healthcare systems. Uh, in my career, I've had the opportunity to work for very large companies, some of the biggest on the for-profit and not-for-profit side. And uh, in my current position, uh, we, are, uh, we are a community hospital. Uh, we are a strong community hospital. In fact, we're thriving right now in a post-COVID uh, era where I think some of the larger systems are, are struggling. And, you know, the honest truth is, is that healthcare is really local. And uh, one of the things that I noticed being part of the larger healthcare systems is that they, they would sacrifice a few for the many, and they weren't quite as focused geographically on the specific needs of a community versus looking at the entire corpus of the system. And so one of the things that I've enjoyed uh, in my current role is that we focus on our community. We meet the needs of the community. We provide the services our community needs. We can we can be invested in every aspect of the community and every part of it so that we provide uh, the appropriate care to all aspects of the, of the, the community and the region. And I think that makes a difference. I think the other part of it that's uh, really important and one of the things that, that has always appealed to me is just our ability to truly be nimble, make decisions on a fly on the fly uh, based on what our, our current needs are. And it, it could be on decisions on how we spend capital. It could be decisions on adding service lines, taking away service lines, uh, meeting the needs of a subsegment of the, of the community, uh, which I can decide in, in my with, along with the team and the board, we can decide to, at a moment's notice uh, versus when I was with the larger systems and it took sometimes an act of Congress, if you will, uh, to get major initiatives done. So I, I think we are, we're here to stay. And uh, I think we provide an invaluable service to the community that we serve uh, with the provision that uh, we do need to, in order to be successful and to be able to meet financial needs, et cetera, I do think partnerships uh, are essential uh, for us. And in our case, we have a strong academic partnership with UCSF. So uh, if we accept the notion that healthcare is local, I think, you know, provides not just healthcare, but, you know, center of community contribution. Um, you're in a slightly different circumstance to some of the other rural systems that I've spoken to where, you know, the challenges that they faced have been about the, the level of ruralness and the challenge of getting people in because of distance and, you know, those contributors. But in your case, you have some different drivers because you're in a relatively expensive area, which essentially makes it very difficult, I would imagine, to attract and retain staff. How do you approach that particular problem? Well, it, well, it is complicated. I think uh, we're not alone uh, across the nation in having a real struggle uh, with labor shortages. I think uh, post-pandemic, everybody's heard about all the resignations and people moving in different uh, careers. Add to that uh, the significant expense of living in this part of, of California, this part of the country. It is one of the most expensive uh, regions uh, literally in the country. And so keeping and maintaining staff, and remember, we're just across the bridge from a number of large uh, medical complexes that are also fighting for the same employees. I think I think we're, we attract uh, the, the type of people that really do want to be uh, involved in a community-based organization. Uh, I think we try to remain competitive with the things that uh, uh, employees are looking for, whether it's salary, uh, work style, uh, uh, where they work, how they get to work, how they commute, uh, et cetera. Uh, and we also, I think, because we are independent, are, are able to offer some flexibility uh, in work schedules, uh, and I think it's uh, what we try to build is really sort of a family type of an environment where people really feel part of the team and they really do feel uh, that they make an impact on the care that we provide. 
Also being part of a, a smaller hospital, their input is valued. And as we build the culture of the organization, I think uh, people really want to feel valued and they want to be heard and they want to be a part of a lot of the decisions that are made. So I think our culture is just that, that uh, uh, every person in the organization is important. We have very flat leadership curve. Uh, all the leaders of this organization are out and about. And I, I, I tell uh, the staff in general that, I, that they don't work for me, I work for them. Uh, and I'm always looking for ways to eliminate barriers, to make their job easier, uh, to uh, really try to stem things that we're seeing, such as burnout and, and, and those types of things. So I think that's appealing when we look to attract uh, employees. And we've done a pretty good job. Uh, we are short and we do have to rely on premium labor. But I think by comparison, I think we've done actually pretty well uh, over the past couple of years. So I, I think... One of the things that strikes me, and you, you talked about this uh, in, in the first part of the conversation, the connection with academic centers. And, you know, one of the pushbacks that we hear about rural or independent is, you know, am I getting the best that I possibly can? Um, clearly having those links and providing, I don't want to say an extension that would offer a disservice to you, but certainly by extension and by relationship help sort of validate that. But that can be quite difficult to navigate. Is your success in doing this partly attributable to your medical background? I, you know, I, I think certainly that has helped me uh, as I made the transition from uh, full-time practice into hospital management, uh, having the ability to, to have those open conversations and having walked in the shoes, if you will. Uh, and uh, really my primary focus where I start with the patient first quality and safety and build from there. I think that definitely has been a benefit for me. Uh, I think it's also helpful as I reach out to some of our academic partners and have uh, more in-depth clinical discussions about the needs of uh, our particular patients I think it's I think it's worked really well you know I, I think the best types of hospitals really and I've, I've uh, run other hospitals that have had strong academic population are exactly that a community hospital that can provide broad spectrum care uh, with uh, with a partnership in an academic center. Uh, and the goal always has to be that keep everything uh, in the community that you can. And if it's something that we aren't able to take care of, we have an easy route uh, to transfer patients. And uh, the other beauty of it is, is that just as a particularly as an independent system, we would have difficulty re, uh, recruiting some of the types of uh, specialists and surgeons that we need. And I think about neurosurgery, cardiothoracic surgery, some of those more advanced specialties that probably wouldn't come to our organization if it were not for our academic affiliation. So I think having uh, been, or still I'm a physician, but having started uh, in that uh, direction, I think it has helped to strengthen uh, our ability to work with an academic partner. So uh, the other thing that sort of strikes me as part of your background that maybe contributes is having worked in the larger systems, you've got that experience. I, I'm curious about why you moved. I mean, lots of people enjoy that environment. You know, what drove you and what attracted you to this? Yeah, I think um, I think there's I've, I've really had a great uh, career and great experience both on the for-profit and not-for-profit side, mainly with large systems. But I think there uh, with me there was always an ambient level of 
frustration of how long it took to, to get things done. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, the focus of the larger companies being on the greater good, if you will, and me always feeling that uh, the needs of the community that I was serving, I wanted to, to advocate for that and make sure that they were served. And I think sometimes, uh, as we know, there's limited capital and there's not uh, a lot of, uh, sometimes a lot of cash to go around. I sometimes felt like, uh, you know, I maybe wasn't getting quite a fair shake. And so what appealed to me about uh, Marin Health in particular was knowing that uh, everything that we do, uh, everything that we make, we're not for profit, either goes to rebuild the hospital, help us to hire labor, buy new equipment, or it goes right back in the community. We provide a tremendous amount of community support. And the other part of it is, is that uh, part of the joy of my job is interacting with the community, uh, all the sectors of businesses, uh, being out there, talking to folks, seeing what their needs are, uh, participating in, in uh, larger decisions that can impact me because I live in the I live in the community, uh, you know, my friends, family, and others, uh, and making sure that we are positioned to do uh, not only the best that we can, but what's expected of us. So I think uh, I I wouldn't say that that doesn't exist in a larger system, but I would say that it helps to bring me closer to the community that I serve, and knowing that our resource resources uh, and of course any profits that we have are going to stay in the community as well. So one of the primary challenges we hear repeatedly, and I, I know this is for the most part universal in healthcare, but I think more acute in the rural or independent healthcare setting is finances. Mm -hmm. You're struggling against a system that for the most part is tilted to not pay out, right. uh, pay out insufficiently. And, you know, at varying levels and depending on your case mix, you're going to see different costs. How have you approached How do you successfully manage that and remain financially uh, fluid? Right. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's it, it's the balance between cost and revenue, not to be ridiculous, sim <laughs> ridiculously simple about it. But uh, we've actually been able to fare pretty well for, for a number of reasons. We've been able to ex expand regionally uh, into the North Bay, uh, into markets where we see growing populations. But uh, strictly uh, strictly on the revenue uh, side, it's, uh, it's very, volume obviously cures all ills. And, uh, but also our ability to negotiate with payers uh, it, because we are in a unique position in the market. And I do believe our partnership helps us in some respects uh, as we work uh, uh, to achieve contracts that are appropriate. I think uh, uh, building uh, strategic service lines, you know, following our strategy and making sure that we're, uh, we're very uh, customer focused and that we really meet uh, the needs that, that uh, are available. Stemming out migration uh, is always a big issue because folks can drive just across the shore bridge to get into a community where there's uh, uh, literally hundreds of healthcare providers. So putting a putting a good product out there, uh, achieving high patient experience, uh, treating uh, our physicians as partners so that they uh, want to use our facility, being the easiest and best hospital for our physicians uh, to utilize uh, always makes a big difference. It also helps that we have a growing medical network that is uh, that is uh, uh, works uh, closely with our our hospital uh, and the services that we provide. So really, on the revenue side, it comes down to uh, our ability to really uh, put a good product out there, grow the service line, expand geographically, have some other downstream revenue opportunities uh, in a diversification strategy. And then on the cost side, you know, all of our costs really, uh, almost 60% is in and around our labor, which is going up astronomically. Uh, obviously, uh, other supplies, pharmaceuticals are 
are drastically uh, increasing. So uh, maintaining our costs, making sure that we're focused uh, uh, on the patient. Uh, you know, really, the, the what drives healthcare is the is the provider patient relationship, and making sure that we're doing the right thing. So, uh, being uh, operationally efficient, uh, making sure that we're also clinically efficient, doing the right things for the patients, making sure that we uh, have good standardized processes, don't and eliminating all non non beneficial variation. So, I think putting those two together, we've actually been uh, quite fortunate with uh, uh, how our organization's been able to do, you know, post pandemic where everybody suffered significant losses. So I, I just want to tell you, I, I have lived in the Bay Area. I think you uh, underestimate the, the difficulty of driving across the bridge to get care. Right? <laughs> Depends on the day and the just time. Just personal experience. So right. maybe some attraction right. to localized care that, you know, is as high quality that yeah. uh, that, that aside, um, you know, aspects of this is the financial competitiveness right. that keeps you or, or keeps patients locally is right. the fact that you're not for profit a, a big contributor to this you know i don't i don't know that the patients as they as they make a determination about healthcare uh, really think about for profit or not for, for profit. I'm not sure they even understand the nuances, but I but I but I do think cost is important, uh, and obviously access is convenient. So uh, just on the cost side, you know, the consumers are becoming more and more responsible for their share of the healthcare burden. So uh, assuming that that the quality always comes in play, but assuming that you have equal quality, they're going to choose uh, an organization that has easier access whatever that looks like. It could be it could be as simple as parking. It could be as simple as knowing the hours, things like that, uh, that that costs them the least. Again, assuming that quality uh, is, uh, is uh, standard across. And, 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 you know, some people think quality is elastic, some people quality is inelastic, but most consumers assume that if you're accredited hospital, you're going to have it. So uh, convenience comes into play. And uh, I do think if people feel like you provide the highest level of care and certainly an academic affiliation aids in that discussion, that the, the halo effect of that, uh, then they are gonna stay local. You usually get one bite of the apple though, if, uh, if they don't have a good experience and, and never underestimate patient experience, uh, they are likely not to come back. Uh, the other part of that is that uh, physicians really drive that interaction and uh, they really, uh, it's really important that our physicians feel comfortable and confident in the care that we provide and that we also make their lives easier. Physicians really are looking for control over their environment, obviously respect for, for what they do, uh, but they want to refer their patients to uh, a provider that provides the highest level of care. And I, I, I think Marin Health checks the boxes in every, every one of those areas. So I, as a, a relatively unique individual, there aren't many people like you who've got, you know, clinical experience, then large healthcare management experience, and now, you know, healthcare independent. As you think across that career, what, what's your proudest moment as you've entered into this, uh, you know, when you think about not necessarily success, but, you know, real value add to the community? Yeah, I... Yeah, I love my career as a surgeon. Uh, I enjoyed the the day-to-day the -day interactions. I had uh, I had success. In fact, I had uh, was working <laughs> 18 hours a day, and I, I really enjoyed it. But one of the things that's really uh, really been uh, satisfying for me is just the ability to impact healthcare on a much broader scale. 
uh, I think back across my journey of the various systems that I've worked for and how I've been able to uh, kind of move through the ranks and, and uh, really make a, an important difference in the patient lives that we all have always had the privilege to serve. I would think of uh, one instance where I had the opportunity to build a Greenfield Hospital. I was in Austin, Texas, uh, working for uh, a not-for-profit, uh, I'm sorry, for a for-profit company, and uh, had the ability to move in and uh, oversee the development and building of a brand new hospital, uh, building the medical staff, uh, creating uh, bylaws and policies and procedures, hiring all the working staff, and one day opening the hospital to a community that really didn't have at least a part of the community didn't have direct access to healthcare. I would say that was a moment of, of pride for me. Uh, but I think every day, just uh, as I make rounds through the hospital, which I still do, even though I'm not practicing actively, and have the opportunity to meet with patients and, and uh, see the difference that we make in their lives, uh, it's 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 tremendously rewarding. Uh, and in fact, when I speak at our new employer orientation, I always tell our healthcare workers they're in a unique profession where they know when they come in uh, at the start of the day, whenever their shift is, that they're going to make a difference in many people's lives. Uh, and at the end of the day, I always invite them to reflect for 30 seconds about how many lives they've touched and what a difference they've made. And uh, I've been a uh, I've been a servant leader in healthcare my whole life. And uh, uh, I can't, I, I really can't think of anything else that would have uh, been more rewarding than, than what I'm doing today. And I've seen all aspects of it. So I, that strikes me as the, the sort of the, the executive overarching principle that you have applied both to your career, but obviously to this facility. Um, you've permeated that through the organization What's your guidance to others who obviously want to replicate this kind of success? Yeah. Do you think? I, yeah, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's simple. Uh, I think it's always put the patient at the center of every decision, no matter what the decision is, whether it's financial, whether it's uh, building, whether it's adding services. If you always keep the patient at the center of every decision it's always going to be right. And the other thing is always doing the right thing for the right reason. If you can't, if you ask yourself the question, am I doing this for the right reason? If the answer is no, then you probably need to not do that. Uh, the other thing that I would say to others that are in the field, one of the things that I learned early on is that uh, every decision you make has consequences. Some of them are life-saving or life-threatening consequences. And there's many, many different folks that can be impacted by a single decision. I, I stumbled in a couple of times early on by not really thinking about the ramifications of a certain decision, how it might impact uh, all the particular stakeholders. So when I make decisions, I really try to go through this decision tree in my head, who's it going to impact? Positively, negative, what are the potential outcomes? So I think those three things, just keeping the patient at the center, uh, of everything we do, doing the right thing for the right reason, and making sure that you clearly understand the decisions you make, who they're going to impact, who they could hurt, and who they might help. I think that's really been good guidance for me. Well, you and I share a, a, a common experience of uh, a brand new facility, Greenfield. In my mm -hmm. case, it was a what we call brownfield site okay. um, because it was dirty and we had to clean it up. But, um, <laughs> of course. I, I, similar sort of positive experiences. And I think, uh, you know, same principles that, uh, you know, we share. Um, I, you know, just uh, very grateful to have had the opportunity to talk to you and learn a little bit more and, and share that with others. David, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed uh, the chance to talk to you. Uh, obviously, I have a passion for what I do, and it's great to be able to talk about it. Thank you. As you heard from David, healthcare is personal, and as such, the decisions we make 
must be done for the right reasons and can have huge consequences in some very unexpected ways. David's excellent advice jibes with my early experiences building a hospital. The message that permeated everything we did, even rising to our organizational chart at the time, that put the patient at the top of our organizational chart with everyone else reporting to the patient. Your better pill to swallow is to spend a day in the shoes of the customers you are ultimately serving. No matter who you are, your seniority or level in the organization, spend some time at the point of service in healthcare. I was recently forced to sit and wait for about 15 minutes in a pharmacy and witnessed a procession of people experiencing outright misery and despondency as they tried to navigate a system that did not appear to have them or their needs at the center of their healthcare experience. If we aren't serving or helping the patient with the process, then we should rethink and find better answers. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.